That's our prayer this morning, Lord. We need you. And we're so grateful that, Lord, you have promised to answer that prayer. And you reached out. You continue to reach out. You gave your son. And you continue to give us love and guidance and comfort. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Thank you, team. That was good. Really good. Didn't they do well? Let's give them a round of applause. Awesome. You know, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be able to introduce to you uh, Catherine. Come on up, Catherine. You were right there. I was looking over there, but front row. It's great. This is Catherine, and I'm going to let, you, uh, let her tell you a little bit of her story. Um, but just to frame it a little bit for you, we have um, a wonderful work in, in India. We have two um, children's homes in India that Willow Park Church have committed to support. And uh, I'm, so we're very grateful for Brad and his leadership in that and the team as it goes on. And there's a team leaving next week, I believe, on Saturday. And Catherine is part of that team that's going to be going over to India. So I'm going to let uh, Catherine take it from there and then we're going to pray for you. Okay, so my story, um, really quick, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, um, but I accidentally got sent to a Christian camp because it was a horse camp. So at Circle Square Ranch, um, I first asked God into my heart when I was 13, um, and then returning home to a family that wasn't Christian, I didn't really know what it meant, like my next steps. So... um, in high school, some of the kids um, went to church, so I got to go to a couple of youth events and stuff. Um, but then university happened. <laughs> Couldn't have fallen farther from God. <laughs> um, and then I ended up getting really, really sick. When I was about 25 years old, I started not feeling well. Um, I still kept working. I'm a nurse, so I'm a registered nurse, um, and I was working full-time. But I just, I kind of felt like I was slowly dying. And then last week, Glenn mentioned that people are just walking around half dead. And in the end, I wasn't able to work anymore. I couldn't get out of bed. And I was having debilitating panic attacks. I couldn't really leave the house. Um, And then finally, um, like, I was just in such a state of, like, I I really felt like I was dead. Um, And I remembered back when I was last happy. um, And it was at church. So... That was two years ago, this last August. Um, sorry, just jumping back. The sickness actually turned out to be celiac. My mom ended up guessing it. But the best thing that happened to me was God giving me celiac because if I hadn't have been sick and just in so much pain, I never would have looked back to when I was actually like living on purpose. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> I totally forgot what I was in the story. So, um, two years ago, September, um, I was baptized in Vernon um, by the Vernon Alliance Church. And then since then, um, like I, in my baptism speech, I said I wanted to live every moment um, for God and his purposes. And I didn't really know what that meant. Like it sounded awesome. <laughs> and then in the last two years, <laughs> I, I, kinda, I learned what that meant. <laughs> and it was really hard. Nothing happened quickly. <laughs> but... It's funny because when I'm asked to look back at my story and kind of what brought me here, I, I like that pain is just so far gone. I just, 
like I was God this month I've returned back to work full time um, I mean I still have a little bit of anxiety um, just because I'm an excitable person but <laughs> um, yeah God has let me go back to work and even when I feel like I'm out of control at work after the event I'm like God totally had that the whole time <laughs> but um, so pretty much God has just shown me that I can literally do anything as long as it's for his purposes um, 10 years ago, God put India on my heart. Um, I have a whole bunch of really close East Indian friends in Kelowna. And when I joined Willow Park Church last year and became a member, um, I learned that our church goes to India every year. So I have been waiting to go to India for 10 years. And I can't think of a better part of India to see than going to Shanti Nikitan Children's Home and helping make their lives better. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Hey, Brad, why don't you come up and maybe if there are any of the lead team here, come and pray for Catherine as, they, uh, as she heads over. I'm going to let Hannah pray. <laughs> I love Kat. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Kat and the encouragement she is to so many others, to me, to her young adults group, to just everyone that she interacts with. Thank you for her passion for you, God, and living life with you. I pray a blessing over her trip to India. I pray against any sickness, um, that she'll have food that she can eat there. God, I pray that she would experience you in a new way. Um, And, yeah, I pray for um, bonds within the team and with the kids and for safety, God. And, yeah, we just pray a blessing. Go before her. We already know you have. And thank you so much for this opportunity that she has. Amen. Thank you. Let's give Catherine a big round of applause as she goes. And she will be around the Connect desk if you want to ask her any questions or if there's any way you feel like you can help and support and, uh, and pray for her. I know she would be, um, would love to talk with you about that. Um, praise God. So if I was to ask you a question, where's my, uh, where's my piece of technology? Hang on a second. This is, helps me do my slides. You found it. There you go. Yes, you did. That's good, though, because that's my first slide. Um, if I was going to ask you, what is following Jesus all about? What is Jesus, being a Jesus follower, all about? Imagine you asked that question. Imagine you asked a friend that question, and depending on your experience, your background, your worldview, there's going to be all sorts of different answers that come as a result of that question. If you asked a Christian that question, and maybe you're just exploring Christianity, and you're still kind of thinking everything through regarding faith, here's what some things Christian may say, and and there's lots of people in this room who could add to this list. This is not an exhaustive list, trust me. Um, But they would say, well, you know, that, that Jesus... Jesus gives me peace. He gives me direction. He, he, he's there for me when, when 
when I'm when I feel like life is just getting too difficult. There is this sense of purpose and direction and love and all these wonderful things. Uh, it helps me in my marriage. It helps me in my parenting. Being a Christian, being a Jesus follower, has so many benefits. And and a Christian would absolutely say those are all true. Those. All that and way, way, way more. Depending on the circumstance and the person, they would add to that list very easily. And admittedly, and we've already sung this, when I think back when I became a Christian, the, the thing that was in my mind is, well, what's in it for me? What is, what's in it for me? Like this, this Christianity, what, what is it, what's the benefit that I'm going to experience? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong admitting and recognizing that for many of us, the start of our faith was saying, I need help. I need you, God. We've just sung it. God, I need you. I need you to, to help me in this situation. I can't do this by myself. I can't carry on in this way. And it's this crying out. And then you become a Christian. You become a Jesus follower. And, and that request continues. It's, God, I need your help in this area. I need your help in that area. I need this. And, and God, would you help me here? And it's this ongoing surrendering to the idea that we are not designed to do life by ourselves. Not only we're meant to be in relationship with one another, we're also meant to be in relationship with the divine. One of the writers in the Old Testament said it this way, that everyone has eternity in their heart. Everyone has eternity in their heart. So in answering the question, what's in it for me, then we have to answer, oh gosh, I got what is following Jesus all about? Is it really about those wonderful benefits? If we read the New Testament, here's what we're going to see in answer to this question. And and Jesus answers this question in a passage of Scripture we're going to get to in just a second. He answers this question by giving us a job. He says, if you want to know what it is about following me, if you want to follow after me, then I'm going to give you a job to do. And and if you're anything like me, you're like, okay, I, I don't need anything else to do. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I just want those benefits. Those benefits sound good. Another job, another thing to do is not necessarily what I'm in this for. What is it that Jesus is all about? What is following Jesus about? Jesus himself would say it's about doing something. It's about a job. Now, for those of us who have been a Christian a long time, we might say, well, actually, what is Jesus all about? What is being a Jesus follower all about? We would say, well, it's to bring God glory. And that's a very nice way of saying what life is about. Lots of Christians wouldn't actually be able to explain fully what that means. But to bring God glory actually comes, it emerges from this job that Jesus gave us to do. It emerges from the job. And the opposite is true, that if being a Jesus follower means that we have a job to do, if we proclaim that we are a Jesus follower and we don't do this job, then then we're missing it, according to Jesus. According to Jesus. So depending on where you are in your faith journey, if you are exploring faith, if you are a Christian, if you've been a Christian a long time, then this is an important question to answer. What is it that all this is about? The benefits are wonderful. But the reality is, is that life isn't always filled with the benefits that God 
gives us. They're not tangible benefits. We can feel and we can sense and we can enjoy his presence all the time for sure. But the tangible benefits, if you look through history, you'll actually see many, many Christians have no foreseeable benefits at all. They have something far deeper, but their outside benefits are not there. So there has to be something more to this job. What's in it for me? See, our life meaning, we all need meaning. We all need purpose. And I was reading this week about what is, what does life meaning mean? (laughs) For those of you who are fans of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, do you know what the meaning of life is? 42. For those of you who have just gone, what? You're too young. What is the meaning of life? 42. I'll let you ponder that. That's not in the Bible. If you have life meaning, success follows. Now, your version of success may be different from the person who sat next to you. But you'll feel fulfilled when you have meaning in life. You'll feel self-worth when you have meaning in life. You'll feel direction when you have meaning in life. And so what Jesus is actually doing in this passage, he's giving us a job to do. And meaning emerges through us pursuing this job. Our meaning, our success, our self-worth, our identity, our direction, our feeling of, 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 uh, of self-worth comes through as pursuing the very thing that Jesus said that we need to be what actually following Jesus is all about. So let's look at this scripture. Because this job that Jesus gives for us to do as Christ followers is worth giving up everything for. In fact, Jesus described it this way. He said, it's like finding treasure in a field and selling everything you have in order to gain that treasure. This job is treasure. Why? Because of the benefits emerging from it and the success, the sense of feeling of success, the sense of self-worth, the identity, the direction, all those wonderful benefits emerge from this job. So it's pretty important that we find out what this job is. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the mission and how we, as a church, we, we, we go into the mission field, if you like. Our mission field being that we believe our community needs to hear about Jesus. And it's so vital for us as Christians for us to understand the role that we have been given by Jesus so that when we go into our community, we can go feeling like we are directed by him, that we have purpose, that we have identity, that we feel confident. So let's look at this scripture It starts, first of all, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him. Wherever Jesus was, there's a crowd. I love that. Can I just tell you, just as an aside, some really interesting uh, research has been shown recently where people don't want to talk necessarily about God. They don't want to talk about church. They have a lot against God. They have a lot against church. They have a lot against some of the doctrine that many churches preach. But there's something about the name of Jesus that still draws the crowd. There's an intrigue. There's an interest. There's a desire to know this person, Jesus, just like we read right here. And listening word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So they've just finished. They've just finished fishing. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. 
Have any of you ever tried to tell a fisherman, a professional fisherman at that, how to do his or her job? Especially if you're not into fishing. You know what? This is how you should fish. Yeah, that's going to go down really well. Oh, really? You're going to tell me, professional fisherman, I'm washing my nets, I'm tired, I'm done, I'm done for the day, and Jesus, you come walking along with your crowd, and you're going to tell me that actually I should go and fish in that direction in that way. Just imagine how that would go down. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing, but because you say so. Because you say so, I will let down my nets. That's really important. And that, that phrase, because you say so, is going to come into the forefront in just a second. That's profoundly important why this professional fisherman would listen to a professional carpenter who just comes walking along. He's already kind of half stolen his boat. And he says, but because you say so, Jesus, because you say so. The same story, Mark picks it up and he says this. And Jesus said to them, the same group, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. See, the word men there is actually gender neutral, men and women. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately. I like Mark because Mark, all the way through Mark, it's, it's words of immediate. It's immediate, immediate action. And so these men, professional fishermen, who they put down their nets and they follow after Jesus. Because he said so. He was irresistible. This is profoundly important for us to understand. Jesus, the Son of God, is irresistible in this story. He's irresistible now. There are just some things you cannot resist. And Jesus is one of them. And turtles in Maui. And let me explain. Sarah and I uh, enjoyed celebrating our 25th anniversary. It's actually our anniversary is in, is in November uh, 27th. If you want to write that down. Um, but we, we took the time in the summer to go and, in, and to, to Maui. And, and wow, what an amazing place. We spent two weeks. It was incredible. And we pretty much snorkeled every day. And, and so uh, we went snorkeling. And I think it was like the second or third day we went out. And for those of you who've been able to go, um, the, the water is incredible. The fish, the tropical fish, it's like swimming with Nemo. You know, it's like, it's amazing. And then this big old turtle comes swimming by. And Sarah and I are like one next to each other, maybe about this far from one another. And, and I'm like, so you, you pop up and you go, because you don't want to spit out the, and I'm doing this. And she's, she's like, yeah. And then, so then I'm floating around. And I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm on the surface. And this old turtle's at the bottom of the, of the ocean there, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight foot away, maybe, maybe less than that. So I think, you know, I'm going to dive down. I'm going to go down and see the turtle. So I take a big, deep breath and I dive down. One of those duck dives and I'm going, my wife must just think I'm the equivalent of Indiana Jones right now. Just look at this guy. Look at him going after that turtle. What a guy. I can see why I've spent so long with him. That's all going through my mind while I'm looking at this turtle and she's on the surface. And so I'm now face to face with this big old turtle. His head is like, I don't don't know, he's probably, he's big, wasn't he? He was big, like huge, size of this stage probably. Um, so he's face to face with me and I'm looking at him and it's just so cool. As an aside, spiritual experience right there. 
Honestly, just phenomenal. Then the moment came. The irresistible moment. The moment where I thought, I have to do this. I touched the turtle. I know, see? I didn't touch his head, I touched his shell. I told this story to somebody the other day, actually, and they went, you know, you killed it. What? I killed it? Now listen, before the emails come in, and I know I'm saying this online, I'm just realizing, look, I, I came up to the surface thinking, I touched the turtle. My wife is going to be like, wow, that's so amazing. Sarah's waiting for me. I get to the surface. She's like, immediately starts yelling at me. I mean, the whole of the, uh, the whole of the beach stops and turns and watches. I swear, that's how it felt like. You shouldn't have touched that turtle. I'm like, what? I genuinely, as a pastor, hand on heart, hand on heart, did not know at that point you shouldn't have touched the turtle. I know you're thinking, yeah, right, whatever. Sarah said, have you not seen the signs? No. But then I said, you know what? Later I went, honestly, even if I'd seen the sign. That would have been hard to resist. That would have been hard to resist. Then I saw that the sign also said it was like $25,000 fine. So if anybody in Maui is watching this, I'm really sorry. And I'm very confident it was just a little brisk. That was it. It's not like I hugged him. You know, it was just, it was irresistible. Just in that moment, I just had to, you know, sometimes, how many of you know some days you just got to touch a turtle? Thank you, brothers and sisters. On camera, lots of hands. Just, just saying. <laughs> Some days you've just got to touch a turtle. You see, these men had seen, they had heard, they'd experienced, and they had sensed Jesus' power. So much so, when he says, follow me and I will make you fishermen. I'm going to give you a job to do. They drop everything. It's completely irresistible. They drop everything and they follow after him. And friends, Christian friends, I just want to say this. That same spirit is alive and well in us. That, that connection, that, that desire to chase after, that desire to see meaning, that desire to do what Jesus said is evident in the lives of Christians. But sometimes we drift away. Sometimes we distance ourselves. Sometimes we get so preoccupied by our nets that we we don't hear the call on a daily basis. But Christian friend, let me tell you that every day Jesus is saying this, I will make you fishers of men. And what was it that make it so irresistible? They had seen and heard Jesus. They'd witnessed Jesus. They'd sensed his power. They'd felt his presence. They'd seen all these things. So it was a no-brainer, if you will. He was irresistible. And I want to encourage you that when you go into your circles, and I said last week, we're going to talk more about it in just a sec. When you go into your circles of influence, those areas that you spend your days, let me tell you this. Jesus is still irresistible. People are still intrigued. People still want to know more. They want to know, tell me more about Jesus. And I can say that by experience because even this week I had a conversation with somebody who wouldn't say that they were a Christian and start talking about Jesus. You can sense them leaning in. If I started talking about church, that can come later. Jesus is irresistible. What made Jesus so irresistible to these disciples? The promise that Jesus would make them something they were not fishers of men. The promise that Jesus would make them something they were not. 
You see, Christianity is about becoming fishermen and fisherwomen. That's what Christianity is about. This is what Jesus said. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He's saying, look, here's, here's the deal. You follow after me. There's, there's a second part to this. This is, this is what you're going to be required to do. He didn't say, come follow me and I will make you holier. Come follow me and I will make you happier. Come follow me and I will make you a good disciple. Come follow me and you will glorify God. Come follow me and you'll volunteer every week in the welcome team at the South every week, please. That would be awesome. Come follow me. He didn't do any of that. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Not I will make you better husbands, better wives, better mums, better dads, better brothers, sisters, friends, students. None of that. All that is benefit from actually becoming something that Jesus determined for us all, which is fishermen and fisherwomen. See, the meaning of life emerges as we follow after him, believing that he's going to make us something that we are not. I will make you. What a powerful statement. I will make you. See, they weren't this, but they will be. They were going to become something they were not. They were going to do it with Jesus, and it was irresistible. And when we go with this message, and maybe you're just thinking this through this morning, when you hear and you see Jesus evident and alive in life, he is irresistible. And maybe that's why you're here this morning. I will make you. Our life meaning emerges from that. And if you think about it, our life meaning emerges from what we place our focus on. What are you really focused on? What is it that you're looking to to bring you meaning? You know what? Following after Jesus, the author and finisher of life and faith itself, when he says, follow after me and I will make you, it is irresistible. You see, it brings meaning. We've been placed on purpose. I said this last week, we've been placed on purpose to become fishermen and fisherwomen. We've been placed on purpose because what Jesus does in in his beauty and in his wisdom is he takes our life, all our experiences, all those things that make you, you, your, your failures, the money you've made, the money you've lost, the relationships you've had, the relationships that you wish you still had, and the relationships that you wish you didn't have. The, the failures, the, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, he takes all of that. Think of the pain. Think of the choices. Think of the tears. Think of the regrets. Think of all those things that you wish you could package up and forget about and leave behind. Think about all the good things that have happened in your life. Jesus takes all that and he says, I will make this. I will make all this something eternal. I will make it something significant. I will make it something powerful. I will redeem it. You see, he takes it and he makes it of eternal significance. Everything, our story, he makes it of eternal significance into somebody else's temporary. What do I mean by that? Everything that we focus on and worry about in this life is is temporary. You know, it might feel like it's here to stay, but given enough time, it's either going to decay and fall apart if it's a physical thing, given enough time. Or the thing that we're focusing on is just going to come to pass. It's just going to pass away. And so people are struggling in their story while Jesus takes our story and he makes it of eternal significance so that we can impact their temporary for the eternal. So that their temporary becomes eternal. Their story becomes significant. He's saying this, come, be fishermen, and I will take your story and I will place you purposefully 
right in the place where people who need to hear your story are going to hear it. All I need you to do is come follow me. And I will make you. It's the beauty of living this redeemed life. So Jesus takes all that pain, all that challenge, all the things that we wish we could forget about, all the sin, the choices that we have made. And the promise is, is that those who believe in him, those who come to him, that all those things die on that cross with him. And then he gives us this newness of life. And then he takes our story and he redeems it. He makes it powerful. He makes it significant. So that when you sit in front of somebody, you don't say this, hey, this is why you need Jesus. What you say is, this is why I need Jesus. This is my story. This is why I need him today as much as I did 20 years ago or five minutes ago. He's redeemed your story. And he's placed you purposefully to speak it out. See, to me... That gives life significant meaning and a depth that no job can actually give. He makes you and places you and empowers you. That's good news. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? He will make you a fisherman for those who believe in him. He will place you purposefully where there are other people who need to hear your story. And then he empowers you to speak. And share the story. All he requires from us is to position ourselves in such a way that we will follow that. You've been placed on purpose to share your story. Placed on purpose to share your story. Let me introduce a friend of mine. Is Joseph here? Is he not here today? Oh. Just take a picture. There you go. Just take a picture. I'll get out of the way. This is Joseph. In his very much happy place. I think that might be a laker or some kind of trout. And I went fishing. And I, do you know what I love about this picture? He's got a fish there. And he's got a fish right on his cap right there. Do you see that? I went fishing with Joseph a couple of weeks ago. And we had a good time just kind of pottering around Wood Lake. And like Joseph has got fishing dialed in. Like he has this down. He's, he's a medic. He'll be horrified that I'm sharing all this. But she kind of makes it good as well. But he, he's a, a medical physicist, so that, that's smart. That's code for smart. <laughs> but he, he said to me, Glenn, a year ago I wasn't catching any fish. He says, so. He said, I approached it scientifically. I'm like, okay, this is good. And essentially his science is down to this. He knows where to go, and he knows what to use, and he knows how to use it. Now, I'm not going to tell you any of that because it's a secret, and I'm in the club. But we caught kokanee salmon, and they, are, they, were, they were in my freezer. I gutted them. They're, they're ready to eat, and they're good to go. But he knew where to go. He knew to what to use, and he knew how to use it. You get any of those three things wrong, then you don't catch fish, especially kokanee. Especially kokanee. So here's the reality. You have been placed in the right lake to go out the, the forgive me for saying it this way, the right fish. And you've been given everything you need in order to reach that fish, to reach that friend, to reach that person, to be on mission, to see fulfillment in your life as you're able to share the gospel. Because here's the reality. I said this last week, and Catherine alluded to it this morning. There are people who need to hear that story. They need you in their lives. They need you in their lake, if you like. 
They need you placed purposefully with your story. And your story is perfect for them. Perfect for them. But no one's interested in my story, Glenn. Can I just tell you, these people, these fishermen, these disciples that Jesus called, they were a motley crew. You had everything from fishermen to tax accountants to uh, prostitutes, construction workers. They had all kinds of story, and boy, they messed up all the time. And yet, God used them powerfully. He used their story powerfully. And all he requires us to do is follow after him, recognize we've been given a job that's bigger than the physical job we do every day, and that job is to be fishermen and fisherwomen, to share our story. And maybe we'll surprise ourselves. Let me show you a video. This came out this last week. Uh, it's one of my favorite videos. You may have seen it. I hope Dwayne's been brilliant already this morning. So let's see if this gets going. Let me just show you this video. Before I show you the video, let's just look at Joe. Oh, there we go. This is in Ireland. This is Sky News. And this is a betting shop. How many of you have seen this video? It's brilliant. I love this. 45 seconds long. I just want you to watch. I'm going to give some commentary. So these guys, bad guys, watch this gentleman. 83-year-old great-granddad. Watch him. Shotgun in his face. There is no sound to this. He's like, I've had enough of this. Look at him. 83. And he chases after him with a chair. Now the camera angle changes. Watch him. It's like, no, I don't need this. I just, right. And he comes back in. And he's like, great, I've got one more. Look, look at him. Kicking, like. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Easily, my dad wouldn't have let them go. Perfectly placed. Do you think he surprised himself? He didn't want to give any interviews. Didn't want, do you know why? <laughs> this is even bad. The reason he didn't want to give any interviews, he said he didn't have time because he was going to the pitch and putt course. There's a man I admire already. Pitching and putting and not giving any interviews, but beating up robbers. I'm not condoning it. It's great. Loved it. Perfectly placed to surprise yourself. Perfectly placed to be in the thick of something that you're completely unaware of is in the making. He had no idea that day that he was going to be used in that way, did he? And you don't know today or tomorrow, in the middle of the week or next weekend, if you are willing... If you are willing to recognize that you've been purposely placed to share your story, because Jesus has promised, I will make your story. I will use your story to turn the temporary struggle that somebody is having and turn it into eternal significance so they can go and tell the story. That's what Christianity is about. And everything else emerges from that, which is why I said, what is following Jesus about? It's about having a job. What is the job? To be fishermen. Why? Because everything emerges through this. All the joy, all the benefits, all the excitement, all the forgiveness, all the feeling of being purposeful and successful and fulfilled and self-worth emerge from our willingness to see life like a betting shop. Being willing to take it on. Being willing to position yourself and being willing to, ch to chase after it and not let it go. I love it. It's interesting that Jesus says, 
fishing. There's an old saying. Oh, hang on, let me go back. Oh, there's an old saying. It's if fishing was just about catching fish, it'd be called catching. It's not, it's called fishing. And for those of you who like to fish, and I've spent many years fishing, Sarah got into the habit of going of not asking me if I caught anything. She would say, did you have a nice day? Thanks, love. Yeah, and I didn't catch anything. Or, yes, I did. And you showed them the salmon. It's called fishing, not catching. And here's the reason why. Is that Jesus does the catching. In fact, in another epistle, he does call them catchers. He says, you will catch people. But it's him that does the catching, not you. It's him and you're his power in you that does the catching. So friends, as we come towards this new season, this new chapter of the, of the South, God wants to take your life, your story, and use it powerfully in the lives of your neighbors and your friends and your loved ones and the people that you spend time with. That is your lake. That is where you have been called to share your story. And the challenge is simply this. Are we willing to share the story? Are we willing? Do we, and I said this last week, who are your four? Who are the four people, Christians? Who are the four people that you're dedicating yourselves to invite and pray for? Who are your four people that you are positioning yourself around? And I gave the challenge, and the challenge was this, is that for some, it's actually difficult for you to think about four people who don't know Jesus. And that is something you need to come to the Lord with. But I wonder whether you've written them down. I wonder whether you've already committed in your mind. I'm going to invite them. I'm going to share the South because it's about being placed on purpose to share your story, to have intentional friendships. So you can pray for them and serve them and love them. It's, these aren't projects. These are people that we want to be for so they can see that Jesus is for them. And then we can share the South. That, Christian friends, is why we're on this planet. Everything else are just mechanisms and instruments to make that happen. So think about your job right now. Your job is there to make much of Jesus and to share your story. Your family is there so you can make much of Jesus and to share your story. Your house is where it is so you can make much of Jesus and share your story. The person you sit next to, the cubicle that you share, the business that you run, all this... All this has been given through common grace so you can make much of Jesus and share your story so that we can become fishers and that Jesus can do the catching. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to really be focusing on this four. And there's a couple of things I want you to do. First of all, tomorrow night is Willow One prayer. Come pray with us. Let's pray together for your four. And maybe you don't name them. We'll just agree together. Let's pray together for your four. So they would come to know Jesus. Because that is why we're here. So we can bring God glory, absolutely. But the one thing that we can only do on earth that we can't do in heaven is share the love of Christ and bring God glory And by doing that. So who are your four? Come tomorrow night, Willow One Prayer. The other thing is, is quite a number of our... Uh, community groups are going to be starting Alpha. And so rather than having Alpha, large Alpha, where we invite people to come into church, is we're actually having smaller Alpha in a few community groups. I think four so far. Maybe there might be more. And the way it looks like is this, is those four people that you've committed to love and, and to have friendship with and to share your story, you say, hey, why don't you come? Alpha is a phenomenal ministry program. 
And so here's what I would like you to do. If you are, if you are interested in doing Alpha or you are committing to say, you know what, I, I'm going to invite my friend to Alpha, I want you to text Alpha to that number and the number is also on the piece of paper you have in your hand. That's so we can get information to you so we can point you in the direction of the community groups that are running Alpha. It's going to be brilliant. We're going to do it kind of Alpha light. It's my term. We're not necessarily going to have a big meal. It might be dessert alpha. It could be any number of different things. But alpha is a wonderful way for people to come and explore faith. And the other thing is, is on your table, on your um, on your seats, you've got four cards. You've got two cards for the fall fun day and two cards for FAQ. Those are for you to take with you and give to people or put up somewhere. The fall fun day is for the kids that is happening on the same day as the FAQ series. And if you look on the back of the card, there's actually a breakdown of everything that we're going to be looking at from October the 14th, which is only a few weeks away. We've got a lot of work to do, but here's the beauty in fishing. Here's the beauty of fishing. We get everything together. We do everything we can to position ourselves well, to catch the fish to share the gospel, to share the good news, to love and serve and care for people. God does everything else. But the process of it, the process of it is in itself. It brings growth. It brings momentum. It brings unity. Because suddenly you are positioned to share the gospel because God places your place. Your placement is specific. We we are united in that. Because I know some people look at me and go, well, Glenn, it's okay for you. I'm not like you. You're at an advantage. Do you know what? Can I just share? I actually think the opposite. You are at an advantage that I'm not. Because God has placed you. He's given you a story that's unique. And he's given you a church that's saying, hey, bring your friends. They're going to have a great experience of God and church. And bring them with family. So don't leave these on the seats. Take them with you and think and pray. Who are you for? And together, it's not what makes your abilities that make you great at this. It's your willingness to follow. So as a church, can we join together and pray right now? And thank the Lord for the call that he has given upon our lives. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your faith in us. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have molded every person in this room uniquely. Different personalities, different experiences, different failures, different successes. And that, Lord, I thank you that you take all that and you redeem it. And you use it. And you make it of eternal significance. Lord, I pray you would forgive us for ever thinking that that we're not capable. Lord, I thank you that you give us the ability and you give us the placement. So Lord, I pray, and my my prayer is that I I echo the prayer that, that those early Christians prayed in Acts. That Lord, you would give us boldness. We recognize we have everything else. Lord, give us boldness to share our story, to share our church, pray. Lord, give us boldness. Lord, that we would believe the truth that if you are for us, who can be against us?
And Lord, I pray that it would be our story as a church and as families and as individuals that it would be our story that says that you did great things. Great things that we saw people coming to know you in ways that we've never seen before. Lord, that is our prayer. That you would catch. And Lord, I pray for the people who are here this morning who are kind of listening to this and there's an intrigue. That they're just exploring, they're asking questions. Lord, I pray that they would sense your presence here. They would sense love and acceptance here. Not just from you, but from us as people too. And Lord, I pray that even now you would be speaking to them. They would come with their story. And maybe, Lord, all they can say is, I need you, God. Lord, I pray that there would be celebrations in heaven because of how you're working in this church today. Praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, this song that we're going to sing, it's called The Stand. It's a proclamation. And uh, I want to encourage you to stand with me now, and we're going to sing this together. While we do so, we're going to take up our, our offering. Because this money goes towards the mission. And uh, so we're going to take up our offering, and we're going to sing, and we're going to de- declare this truth. And then I'm going to pray for you when the song's finished. Thanks, Luke.